0: Well, hey Vintage, it is so fantastic to be back with you all. And thank you so much for your prayers and encouragement and support of myself and my family. As I've gone through COVID the last few weeks, it was tough for a couple of weeks, but the great news is praise the Lord, I'm getting much better and on the mend. And so it's so fantastic to be with you. Thank you so much for your prayers and a huge thanks as well to the vintage staff team who led so brilliantly whilst I was away and particularly johnny who was hosting and leading and preaching kathleen who preached last week so we have an amazing team and I'm so proud of them so thank you for that just want to take a couple of minutes just to update you on our service schedule moving forward. With everything gone going on the last few weeks and also the holidays that we took the decision to come off in-person services to fully online, we will look to resume in-person Sunday services in the new year. So watch out for that information. That will be coming out exactly which Sunday. We'll monitor how things are going with COVID in our city and in cooperation with our mayor and our governor. We wanna see how that goes. But we will be having an in-person as well as online Christmas Eve service. So watch out for those service times coming out for Christmas Eve. That will be fully mask-compliant, social distance, six feet. We're making sure that's happening. But at such an important time where many are feeling lonely and um, in lockdown by themselves, that is such an important time for us to gather in safety to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So watch uh, watch out for the service times for Christmas Eve coming out on email and on our website and reserve a ticket if you're here in LA and able to join us. All right, so let's dig into God's word together and let's pray as we come to our sermon. Father, I thank you so much that you're with us as we look at your word. I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that you'd minister to us wherever we are, at home or in the car or going for a walk or wherever we are. We pray right now that your word would come alive in our hearts, that we would encounter the risen Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we go through our series on Advent, I'd love you to turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter two, Luke's Gospel, chapter two. And we're going to look at a man called Simeon who encountered the young baby Jesus and erupted in joy and written down in Luke, chapter two is a famous song, the song of Simeon, as he praised our heavenly father for the birth of his son in Jesus. So let's look at chapter 2 and we're going to begin in verse 25. At that time there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. And he took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. We're in a season of Advent, and Advent means to wait To look forward to Christmas and for Simeon he was waiting for the birth of the Messiah and he'd been waiting a long time he was an old man it says and they were in bleak difficult circumstances Israel was under Roman occupation the last real prophetic word of God's promises to Israel was over 400 years ago way before the birth of Simeon himself The temple had been destroyed. There was a new king, but a Roman king over Israel at that point. Circumstances were bleak. The promises of God were just being passed down from grandparents to parents to Simeon. And he was waiting, waiting for what God was going to do. And yet in the midst of this, we see that the author describes Simeon in these amazing terms. It says, Simeon was righteous and devout and waiting. And the Greek word for waiting there is eagerly waiting, joyfully waiting for what God was going to do. How on earth, in the midst of all those bleak circumstances and waiting and waiting to an old age, does Simeon stay on fire in his faith? This is the point of what's being said here, is that this guy is on fire for his faith. You know, he is passionate in his faith in God and despite the circumstances, he's the guy, you know, at the front, hands raised in worship. He's the guy double tithing. He's the guy showing up to all the events. He's the guy who's one of those people you think, how on earth do you have such an on-fire faith? Even when the circumstances don't look great. And in this passage, we see a paradigm for you and for me as we're waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled, for Jesus to return as we wait for even that moment. It can be a long time and it can be difficult and the circumstances in 2020 have been difficult. How on earth do we stay alive in our faith? How do we stay passionate? How do we stay on fire? It's so sad, isn't it, when people sometimes shipwreck their faith or you go through seasons of dryness and you think you know what I'm not too sure if it's worth it I'm not too sure if I can hang on I don't know if that's where you are today but in Simeon we see a man in difficult circumstances waiting for a long time who's on fire for his faith passionate and pursuing the things of God we're going to see as we look at this together four keys, four ways that Simeon stays on fire for his faith even in the difficult seasons, even in the waiting. We see these things, we see firstly he leans on God's sovereignty, secondly he lives into God's purposes, thirdly he looks back at God's faithfulness and finally he looks forward to God's promises. So if you're struggling in your faith, if you're thinking there's too much darkness going on, I'm not too sure if I can stay alive in my faith, then this is for you. As we approach Christmas to refresh and see your faith come on fire. The first thing is this, Simeon leans on God's sovereignty. In the dark circumstances, in the waiting, he doesn't lean on good circumstances, but he leans on God's sovereignty. His faith is not dependent on circumstances, but sovereignty. In verse 29, we see that he cries out, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. It's interesting in the Greek, he doesn't use the word sovereign Lord, he just uses the word Lord. But the, the word for Lord is a very unusual one. It's not the normal word for Lord, Yahweh, that we have in the New Testament. But it's de, in Greek it's despotas. It's a word that is only used five times in the New Testament because it's a word for someone who is in utter charge of what's going on. That his rule is absolute and is with unfettered power. That Simeon's faith rested in the unwavering, unshakable sovereignty of God. That whatever the circumstances, God is sovereign, God is in charge and God is good and God will never let the suffering have the last word and he's always weaving his goodness, his purposes, his love, his mercy through the brokenness of this world. It's important to say whenever we talk about sovereignty That God is in charge, but he's not the author of darkness and evil in the world. He's not the author of suffering and sickness. In fact, because of his great gift of free will to you and to me, to choose him or not, to choose what we do with our lives, what a great dignity that we've been given free will. But because we exercise free will, he has to allow the consequences of humanity's choices and decisions, and often they can be evil, they can cause suffering. And so God's not in control of our decisions, but what he is in control of is how he outworks his goodness and his mercy and his rescue and his redemption, even though the darkness still is in the world. In Romans eight twenty-eight, that great verse, he says, we know that in all things, all things, all things, even everything that's happened in 2020, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I love that line in Genesis chapter 50 where Joseph is looking back at all the trauma and tragedy that's happened in his life and his brothers who caused much of that trauma come to visit him and he says this to his brothers. He said, look, I know you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You see, he brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. You see, we have enemies, we have our own sin and we have Satan and other people can hurt us and often that intention is harmful. But God's sovereignty means that that harm never has the last word because God is so powerful that he can come into the middle of that darkness with his light and turn it around for good. And that's what Simeon is saying, look, even though we're waiting, even though the circumstances are bleak My faith is not in good circumstances, but in God's good sovereignty. See, God never promises good circumstances all the time. We're living in a broken world and he's come to fix it, but we are in the midst of the brokenness. But he promises that his sovereignty will lead us and guide us into his purposes. Our faith always is to rest not on good circumstances, but on God's sovereignty. That's why Charles Spurgeon said this, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which the Christian rests his head. I don't know about you, but how many times have I been in difficult circumstances, and I've gone to bed worrying, I've gone to bed overthinking with anxiety what might happen. And as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as a worshipper of a sovereign God, I have to remind myself, actually, I can rest my head, not on the pillow of anxiety, not on the pillow of my circumstances, but on the pillow of God's good sovereignty, that he's in charge and he's got this in his hands. I look back over the difficult circumstances of 2020, and there's been many, and they've been so difficult. We've faced that in our family, we've faced it as a church, and I know many are facing that even now. But I also look back at 2020 and I see God's sovereign hand weaving through the difficulties to mature his church, to comfort, to bring out the best, to equip us for the future. We at our family table, my wife said to our, all of us, why don't we go around and why don't we just say what God has been doing this year in our lives? And it was wonderful to hear from our kids and for me to reflect and say, and for my wife, actually, this is what God has done this year through the difficulty, through the pain. This this has been a significant year because of God's sovereignty. Our faith is not to rest on good circumstances, but on the unwavering goodness of God's sovereignty. Secondly, we see that Simeon lives into God's purposes. He lives into them. See, Simeon's faith wasn't on pause until the circumstances were great. But in the bleak circumstances, in the waiting, he knew that God had something for him to do. And his faith was alive with the present purposes of God for his life. God's purposes for you are never on pause. But if we listen, he's always wanting to use us to to. to Flow his purposes through you and me. We see this in verse 25. Remember Simeon's old. He is waiting. The circumstances of his nation are bleak. But it says this in verse 25. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. You see, firstly we see Simeon has this vibrant relationship with God where he listens and hears what God is speaking to him. That in the midst of all what's going on and the difficulties, he said, God, what are you saying? What are you telling me in this moment? So often we can just give our prayers of, Lord, give me a job or help this relationship or save my marriage or heal me from COVID. We can start giving our petitionary prayers. And I'm sure Simeon did that. But also he spent time to say, but what are you saying also to me? What are you doing right now in this moment? And I wonder what he might say to you when you say to God, you know, what are you saying to me right now? What are you doing through this? But it wasn't just that he listened to what God was doing, he was obedient to what God was telling him to do. God had something for him to do. And God's always got something for us to do. He sent us into the world to be his salt and light. And our ministry is now, never just tomorrow. And in verse 27, it says this, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. I don't know how that happened. He got up and had his cornflakes and was praying and he just felt the Holy Spirit say, go to the temple. You know, have you ever felt those Holy Spirit nudges to call someone or to text someone or to to bless someone financially? Or maybe just to go and show up somewhere, not knowing why God is sending you there? I remember when I was in college and I was in a college in a town called Bristol in the southwest of England and I loved the Lord and I loved my, wanted to see my friends come to know Jesus and I had a big map of Bristol on my wall in my student dorm. And I would pray over Bristol that God's kingdom would come to Bristol. And I remember waking up like at two o'clock in the morning and there was a little nudge to look at the map. And a certain section of that map like, just came right really clear to me. And I thought, why? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to go there now and pray. Just walk around those streets and pray for that part of the town. I'd never been there before. I didn't know anyone there, and I thought I'm going to look stupid. What if someone stops me and say, "What are you doing?" What if I get arrested for like you know, um, do, you know, looking suspicious? But anyway, I thought you know, I'll be obedient, and I got up and I went over to that part of town and I prayed and I walked around and guess what? Nothing happened that I could know. I mean, it wasn't that I met five people and they were sick and I prayed and they were all healed. It wasn't anything like that. But I was obedient to the nudge of the Holy Spirit. And I trust one day I'll know what that's about. You see, Simeon is attentive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Waiting is never passive. We are always in an active waiting relationship with Jesus. Tell me what to do by your Spirit. Show me what to do. I remember so often in my life, I thought, oh man, there's always these difficulties all around me. Once I get over these difficulties, then I'm gonna say, okay, now God, let's go. And it was a mentor of mine who said to me, Gare, your ministry is never on the other side of the difficulty. Your ministry is the difficulty. Your ministry is the difficulty. That God is sending light into the darkness. That's the point that you're in amongst the brokenness, not just to wait to get over it, but to minister in it. And that We see that all through the Bible, right? That when we're in difficult circumstances, God's got, I think, even more for us to do. Paul in prison, he's a church planter. He didn't expect to be in prison on death row. And his plans were to plant churches and he couldn't. He was in prison, in chains, chained to Roman centurions. But he realised God's always moving, God's always working, and the difficulty is the ministry. And so he was in prison and thought, you know what, I'm going to preach to these prison guards. And it says in Philippians, it was because of that obedience to preaching in the difficulty that the whole palace guard came to know Jesus. Do you remember in AD 70, in the Book of Acts, it talks about the, you know, the destruction of Jerusalem and the persecution of Jerusalem? And we read these stories of the church being persecuted in Jerusalem, actually not just AD 70, but before then if you read the book of Acts. And it was then that the church was scattered, they had to be dispersed away from Jerusalem. But it was through that difficulty that we have these amazing stories of men and women who were young followers of Jesus, planting churches outside of Jerusalem, that the gospel spread out because Jerusalem was under persecution. And then obviously we have Jesus, right? We have Jesus, whose greatest victory was also the greatest moment of darkness on the cross. 2020 has been a tough year. And as we approach Advent, we're reminded that actually it's in the difficulty that God has great things for you and for me to do. To listen and to obey. I remember this came home to me dramatically when... I was about 26, and my dad was going through major health problems. Uh, He'd been diagnosed with heart failure and was on the heart transplant list. His work was not going so well, and his health was tanking, and there was lots of bad news. And so I said to my mum and my dad, look, I want to take you away on a vacation. We won't go far, we'll just hire one of these canal longboats. Very peaceful, we'll just go up and down the canals of England, very pretty, we'll read books, we'll chat, and my dad can rest. So we got to the place and we hired the boat, signed all the paperwork. I got on the boat, my dad got on the boat and sat down on one end. And I was untying the rope at one end of the boat. And the man who was teaching us what to do said to my dad, look, can you untie the rope at your end of the boat? And so the rope was right there next to my dad. And for some reason, my dad thought it went untie the rope that was on the hook on the shore, on the path, not the rope there, it's like, dad, just untie that. But no, he stood up and he's fairly overweight and thought, you know what, It's about a meter gap. And he thought, great, I can untie that. So he leapt in the air to land on the grass, the slippery grass, towpath next to the boat. And we all just held our breath as we saw this rather large man try and hop over the water onto the side. He made it, but immediately slipped, fell onto his back. And I, in gasp, I thought, oh no, I hope he's okay. And I looked at him and he looked at me and he lifted up his leg and his foot normally went in this direction. But at this point he looked at me and said, I think my foot is broke as we both realized his foot was pointed in the wrong direction fully, 180 degrees. I thought, oh no, disaster after disaster. The holiday's done. We've got to go to the hospital, and we checked him into the hospital, and it was a hospital, overcrowded hospital in England. He was on a ward with about 20 other men who were groaning in agony. It was fairly fairly dramatic and it was pretty distressing to hear the pains and the groans of everyone in that ward. And I left him for that day and went to a nearby, checked into a hotel. And I came back the next day and I said to my dad, dad, don't worry, I've been talking to the doctors, we're gonna get you into a private room as soon as we can. And uh, don't worry, we've got you. And he said, no, no, leave me here. No, dad, you can hear the groaning. This is like really distressing i got to take care of you. You went, no, 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 leave me here and get me a Bible. I went, what? He said, leave me here and get me a Bible. I've been chatting to the guys all night because they've been groaning and they're in distress and I've been praying for them and chatting to them about Jesus. And just after breakfast, I promised that would give them a Bible study. Leave me here and get me a Bible. I thought, what? My thoughts were about, let's get you out of here. Let's get you into somewhere comfortable. But my father said, this is where, in God's sovereignty and in God's purposes, this is where I am. And I want to minister Jesus to these people. I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit this year is knocking on our doors, going, I have things for you to do. Even in the relational trauma that you might be in, even in the crisis of maybe you've lost your job or uncertain future about things but God wants you to know that it's in those moments that if you listen to his spirit he wants to use you, he wants to use you to advance the kingdom of God wherever you are and your faith comes alive because you know wherever you are, whatever the circumstances God is using you and God's with you to bring light into the darkness. Thirdly we see that Simeon looks back to God's faithfulness He looks back to God's faithfulness. In verse 29, he says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised, for I have seen your salvation. Simeon shouts with joy in his faith to God and says, my joy is anchored in what I've seen. That God had given Simeon a moment of sight, a moment of like a mountaintop experience where he'd encountered Jesus. And it was this encounter that provoked this amazing joy that I'm sure would have lasted till the end of his days. I've seen Jesus. You see, this is the Christian life. We're going to have mountaintop moments and a long time and seasons in the valley. The Christian experience, the Christian journey is mountaintop, and valley. Remember Eugene Peterson wrote a book about the Christian life calling it the, a long obedience in the same direction. That often it just seems really uneventful, but it's faithfulness. It's when we are pursuing the things of God, but not all the time as a mountaintop experience. But we're thankful for those mountaintop experiences. Because as we see with Simeon, it's those mountaintop experiences that sustain us. As we go into seasons in the valley. And never despise the valley, by the way. I love to hike, I love to climb mountains, climb mountains. But I remember, I remember one person saying to me about this mountaintop versus valley. He said, Yeah, the mountaintop experiences are great, but the growth and fruitfulness is always in the valley. But mountaintops are important. We see this throughout the Old Testament, where men and women had mountaintop experiences with God, and they would build an altar to commemorate that experience. This altar is to, rem- to remember that this is where I met with God. Or a feast, God would say, I'm gonna put these feasts in place that you need to feast to remember that I rescued you from Egypt. And all these feasts were there to celebrate what God had done. And this is a moment for, where we see that Simeon is feasting on a mountaintop experience. Part of our faith being alive and staying on fire is remembering the altar moments and the feast moments of our life. Putting in place these altars and feasts that go, remember when God did this. Remember when God broke through. Remember when I encountered him in power that way. I've got those kind of altar feast moments in my own life. I remember when I experienced God in power, in his presence, in worship, in a hotel room on Topsail Be- Beach, just off the coast of North Carolina. I remember as a, a child rededicating my life to God and having such a pivotal surrender moment on Malham Cove in the Yorkshire Dales. I remember God bringing me by just relationship through to a church that rescued my faith. I remember in Vintage Church, the miracles that came all the time to get this church going. These are altar moments that keep me alive in my faith, that when I'm in a season of waiting and difficult circumstances, I remember the faithfulness of God. I want to encourage you this Christmas to take time to set up altars and feasts in your own life that you can look back and go, remember when God did this. These mountaintop experiences are not just for the moment, but they are pillars in our life that we reflect back on and celebrate. And then finally, as we come to land here, Simeon looks forward to God's promises. Simeon's faith was not just rooted in what God was doing now, in what God had in his sovereignty, but Simeon's faith was on fire because he knew what was going to come. He knew the end of the story. He looked at Jesus and said, I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people, a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. In Jesus, Simeon celebrated his arrival, but celebrated now the inevitable end, the inevitable outcome that God's plans are on track and God's plans will prevail. See, at Christmas we celebrate, don't we, one part of the story, which is God has come to be with us. But inevitably that means we also look at the rest of the story of his death and resurrection and he defeated all of our enemies on the cross and in his resurrection, sin, Satan, death, all destroyed. And the future is now inevitable, that our future is sure that King Jesus and his kingdom will never end, that we will live for eternity with him, that one day all sickness and tears and COVID and unemployment and divorce and tears will all go. That we will be living in the renewed heaven and earth. This is the great excitement of Simeon. That in Christmas we remember that the end now is certain. This last few weeks during COVID, there's you know brain fog and fatigue, and I was in bed with fever. And I rewatched. I thought, what am I going to do? So I rewatched all six films of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And it's amazing when you're watching it, battle of orcs and goblins and dragons and all these things, and they're they're about to die every five minutes. But because I'm re-watching it, I know the end of the story. I know what happens, and I know that ring is destroyed at Mount Doom at the end. And I'm watching it with a different lens because I know what's gonna happen. And Simeon is looking at Roman occupation, he's looking at overtaxation of an oppressive government, he's looking at Israel being in tatters, he's looking at his old age, he's looking at all the bleak circumstances, but he's rejoicing because he knows what's gonna come. And we're gonna end 2020 rejoicing at what is to come, rejoicing in the birth, death, resurrection and ascension of King Jesus, who promises he's gonna come again, who promises that he's with us now, and who promises our best days are ahead, because he is now King. That's why we read these words as I close, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Almighty God will accomplish this. Let's pray together. So, Father, in the midst of all that we're experiencing right now, and as we wait for the return of Jesus, Lord, we just choose right now as your people to lean on your good sovereignty, to live into your purposes of what you're doing now, to look back and celebrate your faithfulness and to look forward to your sure promises. Wherever anyone is at right now, I pray, let your kingdom come. Let your presence just now encourage. Let your promise and your presence reassure. And let this season of Advent be a time like Simeon, where we burst into song, that in the midst of the difficult circumstance, we burst into song because of who you are. And as we worship now, we worship and celebrate your sovereignty, your purposes, and the future we have in you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, why don't we stand together and let's worship Jesus.